welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is Court Winsett. Hello, Katie. And Cameron Spock. Hello. What are we talking about today? We're going to talk about something that seems to have been occupying a lot of our time and talent lately, and that is not necessarily a pleasant subject. It has not been occupying our time or talent because of our own personal situation. <laughs> not personally. Yeah. Is it love and marriage? <laughs> well, more like hate and divorce. <laughs> Severed ties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it's a part of life. It's, and it has, a, as we've seen a few times recently, it has a huge financial impact. Um, yeah. I've done some financial plans and somebody looks great. And then they tell me they're going to get divorced. And I'm like, ooh, you're not so great anymore. Are you sure you don't want to like just make it work? Yeah, like, maybe, you know, $2,000 a month. Try, try it out. Like, let, let's just see here. But Okay, before we get into uh, actually talking about the financial impact of divorce, you know, this is not the emotional impact of divorce because that's a whole other thing of what it does to your family, everything. Yeah, I ain't going to get into emotions. But let's have some fun. Let's talk about some of the best breakup songs of all time. We were just talking about this before, and our fabulous uh, Nicole has put together this list, and it's kind of apparent with the first couple of ones. So because she's put this list together, I have thrown in a couple of extras, but y'all want to round robin this? Yeah. Okay. The first one on this list for Nicole <laughs> is We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together by mm. Taylor Swift. Of course. And surprisingly, number two on the list is... All Too Well, 10-minute version, also by Taylor Swift. 10-minute version? Yeah, I mean... I'd that's a lot of T-Swift. That's that's an extraordinary amount of T-Swift. Yeah. Next on the list is You, You, You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. Yes. Love that song. Um, I Have Nothing, Whitney Houston. Of course. Someone Like You, Adele. I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton, not by Whitney Houston. That's kind of sad when you're talking about divorce, and it's just... Heartbroken. It's a great yeah. song. I went to Dollywood and I heard that song maybe 20 times in the park. They just oh, blast wow. Dolly over the loudspeaker. You're So Vain by Carly, Carly Simon. Simon. Always On My Mind by Elvis. You're always on my mind. Oh, Here. but see, I will tell you, have y'all ever seen Practical Magic? Uh, yes, one time. So the, I think it's actually... Antonio Inver or somebody um, that's really famous now, but it is a guy that plays Nicole Kidman's boyfriend and he is very abusive and he's bad, but he gets drunk on tequila and he always, he sings, you're always on my mind. And it was very like, I don't know, it's a very pivotal scene because that's where you're like, you hate this man so much. And so I, for a long time, have associated this song with like this awful abusive person. Mm. I wonder how much they had to pay Elvis Presley Enterprises to sing that song multiple times in that movie. Yeah, I don't know. Next on the list is Irreplaceable by Beyonce. Never heard it. Crummy a river. We got mm. two Memphis people on here, dun, JT dun, dun, and dun, Elvis. Dun. Justin Timberlake. I want you back. I want you back by Jackson 5. And rounding out the list is You Can Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac. Ooh couple that I wanted to throw that were not on this list is uh, Thank You Next, Ariana Grande. Mm -hmm. It's pretty funny. Um, Carrie Underwood, Before He Cheats. Now, I guess this would be before you get divorced technically, but it could also be like a warning, like before you think about cheating and then dealing with divorce, you know, think I'm going to take it. a Louisville slugger to your headlights. I'm going to key your car. Exactly. And then so what? Took a warning. Louisville slugger to both headlights. Ooh, two headlights. 
And then one that I think it was popular when I was younger. I think it came out in 04, but it is, um, how do we figure we pronounce his name? Amon? Amon. 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 But the song was, I don't want you back. Mm -hmm. Um, if you do listen to this, there is a lot of profanity in it. <laughs> yes, if you are if you are sensitive to things like curse words, then this Don't may not be the it. song for you. But, but it's a if you like tune. a good if you like a good curse word, he throws in a lot of them. Lots of them. <laughs> if you know any good divorce or breakup songs, throw them our way. We'd yeah. love we'd love to hear them. <laughs> Create a nice little playlist while you're in the gym. <laughs> and I mentioned to y'all, I didn't get nearly the uh, response that I was hoping for. But uh, from when I was younger, uh, there was Motley Crue's "Girl Don't Go Away, Mad Just Go Away." Mm. <laughs> I, Oh, I'm sure there are so many more that are not featured on this list, but um, we could do a whole episode of just... Yeah, you know, like, I should have bought you flowers. Yeah. Should have held your hand. Well, and then Miley's flower song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very similar. Yeah. I could buy myself flowers. This is our singing episode. Yeah. It is, for sure. Also, maybe our shortest list of all time. Yeah. So what is this about divorce? Are you suddenly a divorce expert? You know all things divorce now? No, but I mean, you think about it. When we do a financial plan with somebody, we talk about like they come in and we say, okay, we're going to update your plan at least every three to five years or when major life events happen. And major life events would be job change, house change, kids, divorce. Yeah. That is a big one. That's not one you really want to talk about. I actually, and this is kind of me getting on a soapbox, but it kind of goes with divorce. I have talked about before, I think prenups mm -hmm. and how people think that it's like you're removing the romantic side of it. And you're almost immediately setting your marriage up for failure by like starting out with a prenup. I think that's malarkey. That's crap. You're planning, you're being smart. And it's not putting a, t a ticking time on of, Hey, I'm going to get divorced one day. It's more of just like insurance policy in case we were to hate each other at some point, here's what we need to do to protect ourselves. You know, it's funny. I've I've read a lot of articles and books and whatnot about marriage, marital status, divorce, stuff like that. And it's interesting. One one angle that a lot of people come at marriage from is the angle of, you know, when this whole marriage thing was invented, people didn't live nearly as long as they do now. <laughs> so you weren't having to put up with somebody for for more. I mean, like a lot of times you you might get married three or four times in your life because you just kept dropping spouses. They just die off. Boom. But yeah, now they're just living forever. Well, and it's like, I feel like, Cam, and you may have had this experience, like divorce seemed to be like a really big deal when we were younger. Like it seemed like there was a big boom and a, a bunch of your friends were having parents get divorced and it was very traumatic, but divorce has been around for a very long time. I think it was court's generation where it kind of became a thing to latch key kids. Robin and I had this conversation randomly in the office. That was kind of the generation where it became a little more acceptable. The boomers didn't divorce as much. As no, the, the boomers didn't divorce. And it was around baby boomer generation when women started working. Mm. So they started, they started leaving the home and, and going and working and bringing home that second paycheck. And now it's practically impossible to, to live without dual income household. You've got to have something. You've got to yeah. have some source of income. I know we're not diving too deep into the emotional part of mm -hmm. divorce. It's more of the dollars. But yeah. um, I think divorce, there are a few different reasons. You have like a single event that causes it or mm -hmm. you grow out of love. I don't have any personal experience with divorce. 
but uh, there's a stat where a lot of divorces are because of finance-related oh, yeah. events, uh, oh, yeah. credit card debt or uh, overspending. I used to say a lot that I felt, and I think we've covered this on a on an early podcast episode like a long time ago, but the idea that there can be infidelity in a marriage that is financial infidelity. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that basically, you know, one of the spouses could be setting up the couple to fail because of their bad spending habits or whatever. And um, the oh. fact that that can be a pretty big betrayal. Yeah, because I love stats, I'm sitting here Googling this. Money arguments are the second leading cause of divorce right behind infidelity. Mm. Yeah, I remember a student episode talking about that. And that's why it was like important to know like your spouse's credit score and having those open conversations about finance and especially like continuing to have them because there are so many times that spouses either they're hiding it on purpose, they're ashamed and they're hiding it. Um, I mean, think about some of the movies you've seen over the years where it's like one person has lost their job, but they still do the act of getting dressed and leaving the house and their spouse doesn't know about it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there's times where you've seen people have been really shady and they've used their spouse's name and signed them and put them on contracts and things to kind of, you know, be shady with things. Yeah. I am by no means saying this is the right way. It is for each individual couple. We've talked about this on multiple episodes, but that is one of the reasons that Abby and I share a bank account so that we don't surprise each other. Like one of us is tanking an account Mm -hmm. in secret. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is out there in the open. One more statistic, 40 to 50% of first marriages end in divorce. I think we knew that it's gotten up to the 50% marker Mm -hmm. and 60 to 67% of second marriages end in divorce. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, listen. The, you would think you would have learned the first time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like you said, p- people didn't used to get divorced. So, you know, divorce was way less common, and now it's very much just sort of, it seems like every day some, some couple is announcing that they're getting a divorce, you know. And every situation is different, but I also think that there's a trend of it's easy. You know, times get tough and people are like, well, I'm done. I'm divorcing you. I'm done. And I think the older generation stuck through it. They fought a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Not saying that that's everybody now, but it's it just seems that's a common trend that people give up. And it's always, the grass is always green on the other side. Social media doesn't help with that because social media makes it much easier to what was the phrase you used earlier, Court, about like emotionally cheating or something? Yeah, I mean, financial infidelity, emotional infidelity. Yeah, people are able to confide in different people. They're able to, you know, your social media life, you're presenting this perfect, beautiful picture. And I think I've talked about before on the podcast, like you're watching these people, you're seeing this couple, and then all of a sudden it's like somebody's just changed their name yeah. or something's happened. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We were here for all of this. What happened? And you're supposed to just kind of go, Oh, I guess they got divorced. Like, yeah. I don't know what happened. My wife uh, reached out to a friend of hers on Facebook when when their anniversary popped up and was like, oh, happy anniversary. And her friend was like, yeah, I'm divorced. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that through sickness and through health uh, vow can be easy to forget when life gets dicey. Mm. Up on the front end, we are not here to shame anyone who has been divorced. This is uh, just strictly opinions or we're just going over the dollars of divorce. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's important to talk about. Because it does cost some dollars. Yeah. Though. I mean, I know several people that have done divorce for the right reasons. They needed to get out of it. It was a bad situation. Sure. So yeah, it's not one way or the other. But mm. there, I do think there are some people that think like, oh, flipping, oh, well, I'm just going to divorce them and don't think about how expensive it is. Because even if it is a civil, like, hey, we're going to agree your stuff is yours, my stuff is mine, like 
there's still a ton of expenses that come to the equation. But um, let's let's kind of dive into some of these financial impacts. And then I'm sure we're going to have several offshoot stories with this. Mm -hmm. The first one is property division. Yeah, that's huge. (laughs) Yeah. And I am not a divorce attorney. I don't know a lot about divorce. I have provided uh, clients with uh, simple divorce if mm-hmm. it's if it's basically going to be uncontested if they're okay uh, tell us what that means uncontested basically means you have one person who files for the divorce and the spouse that they are divorcing does not object to it they don't try and fight it they're just like yeah you know it's we'll like, it is the, what it is yeah. yeah and you you wait a certain period of time after you've filed a, a, a petition for divorce and then or a complaint for divorce and then you get divorced I mean like you go in front of the judge and the judge, you, hopefully you've hammered out everything in terms of, okay, property division is going to be this way. Uh, alimony is going to be this. Child yeah. support in Tennessee, for instance, is is done by a, uh, a spreadsheet. You know, you just plug okay. numbers in and boom, it's done. So you figure all that stuff out. You put it on a permanent parenting plan. You put it on a, a marital dissolution agreement. And then you, uh, everybody signs it and gives it to the judge. And then you go in front of the judge and give him a final decree of divorce and boom, you're done. But that, that sounds too easy. <laughs> that makes it sound really easy. And I, I just did, basically I did a, I did an uncontested divorce. Yeah. Uh, very much one of the spouses did not want it to happen, but we were not, you know, our, our client was not playing. Um, so we filed, we did everything. I talked to the other, the opposing t- attorney and he was like, yeah, we'll just divide everything in half and go on about our way. You know, neither of them are currently uh, actively employed. So there was no income to to pay alimony or anything like that. It was just basically take their assets and split them up and yeah. go on about your happy self. And, and that's like the simplest, but that. And even that was a pain. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it took a while. It took uh, time to get everything done and to get everything filed with the court. And it, and it took agreeing on what the assets were and how we were going to divide them and so forth. So And property, this isn't just the home. This is boats and debt even is considered into this because it's assets, debts, real estate, goods, all of that. And so that's where it can start getting nitty gritty with it. Cause you mm-hmm. think, oh, I'm just going to divide everything 50, 50. But then I know I've dealt with a client who quote unquote inherited debt from a divorce because it was the significant other had a lot of debt. And so the debt got split 50, 50, mm-hmm. even though under what I've heard from them, it wasn't their debt. What's yours is mine. Yeah. Like you, you think about all these things that are said. And so I also, on the flip side, I've had a client that has been talking about getting a divorce for a long time, has run the numbers. I think it started to file the paperwork and then has been like, you know, COVID hit. I can't afford to get divorced. Yeah. I and can't a, afford a to do A lot this. of people say that. I mean, a lot of people say I can't afford to get divorced either because the division of the assets is going to negatively impact you such that it will make it impossible for you to ever retire or have just generally good things happen for you. Or obviously one of the things that we will get to eventually, it's on the list, is legal fees. Because (laughs) believe me when I tell you that if you are my client and I'm doing a divorce for you and you're emailing me all the time and calling me all the time, I am charging you for every single minute (laughs) that I spend communicating with you. I am charging you for every single minute that I spend communicating with the opposing counsel. I am charging every single minute I spend going to court, doing all of that stuff, working on documents, working on paperwork. I mean, all of that, it's billable. And so adds up. It's expensive. Yeah. Court, I have a question. What is alimony? 
alimony is is the word for spousal support. It's also called maintenance. It, it basically one spouse. The idea is one spouse has potentially a, a career that is more lucrative than the other, and so they are in a position where they can pay for the other one to live. Basically, pay for at least part of their living expenses. Now. In the state of Tennessee, and I think in most states nowadays, they generally are not necessarily looking to just set a spouse up for the rest of their life, you know, uh, and just pay them gobs and gobs of money forever and ever until they die. Usually your alimony is going to be paid out, I guess, in, in one of a few different ways. First of all, there is a lump sum payment and that basically it's it's what it sounds like. You just pay them a big chunk of change up at the front end and mm-hmm. that's that's all they get. Or you're paying a paying monthly maintenance no, payment. <laughs> um, and if you're paying a monthly maintenance payment, then that can last several years, you know, just basically paying them per month based on how long you were married, based on what your financial means are versus what their financial means are. I always thought like, I know how we talked about, you know, bankruptcy and stuff like Monopoly was like ingrained in our brain. Like that's what Mm -hmm. we think about. I always, for some reason, until I really, you know, got older and got wiser, I thought alimony was only like kind of the trophy wives that it was just like somebody was very, very wealthy and only the wealthy divorcees got alimony and that's how they were affording all their plastic surgery and their their maintenance essentially yeah. to then get all dolled up to then find husband number two. But I mean, we're kind of sprinkling it in there. Alimony is definitely something that could have been written in prenuptial agreements about mm-hmm. kind of what would happen with that. I mean, as Hollywood has taught us, if somebody was cheating or if certain parameters happened, then you could get no alimony if mm-hmm. certain things happened. But um, yeah, definitely, I don't think people think about that and that you're essentially, if you are the primary breadwinner for the family, Mm -hmm. then you're paying your spouse an income. So you are paying to not be married to this person anymore. And you're going to be paying for five, 10, 15 plus years. Yeah. I used to have fun pointing out to my wife that if she ever divorced me, she was probably going to end up owing me alimony and child support. Because (laughs) when I was working in child support and she was working at a bank, she made more money than I did. And I was like, you're going to pay me for alimony. That's a perfect segue, Cortland. Yes. The third significant financial impact to divorce and maybe the most notorious or Iconic, iconic is a weird word, but it's child support. That's yes. what you think of, where the court requires one party to pay child support to the other. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Now, I assumed <laughs> men, a large percentage of men are the ones that pay child support, right? That, that is the case. Uh, and I'll tell you why briefly. It's because, generally speaking, men are the ones that are the non-custodial parent or the alternative residential parent is also something that it's called, where basically they're getting the child once every other weekend Mm -hmm. and a couple of weeks in the summer, and that's it. And because of that, they are, the state of Tennessee's theory is they should help with the burden of the expenses of the child that the primary residential parent is is having to foot because the child spends more time with them. So they're having to buy more food and more clothes and more, you know, things for the child. And so whoever is the less custody having parent, 
they're going to end up owing child support, basically. Yeah. That makes sense. Divorcewizards.com, which is an amazing <laughs> URL, uh, says 76% of fathers with at least one child under 19 contribute child support for their children. I'm assuming this is uh, fathers of divorce, not fathers across the <laughs> world. 9% of fathers contribute once in a while, and 15% do not contribute at all. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens if you don't contribute child support and you're yeah, supposed you're to? <laughs> okay, it depends. And I know Katie <laughs> loves it when I say that, but it does depend... Um, First of all, if you have a child with a woman or if you have a child with a man and, you know, you're the non-custodial parent and you don't ever pay them a dime, then technically at any point up until the child turns 18 and graduates from high school, the primary residential parent could take you to court, have you established as the father of the child and or mother of the child, and then have child support set And if you never paid a dime, then there's going to be retroactive child support Mm -hmm. back to the date of birth of the child. So you could end up owing thousands and thousands of dollars for back support, basically. There's a lot we could get into with a whole episode of just about child support because they can garnish your wages. And so if you haven't paid, they can take it from your paycheck. There are ways they will find you and get that child support. Kind of from a financial plan perspective of it, people are like kind of seeing that as that's income coming in for those kids, but then it goes away when they turn 18. A lot of offshoots of child support will kind of build in these divorce documents about college and, you know, who's going to help with college expenses. And um, I've even seen some that get really detailed of like, well, you know, they're a competitive dancer, they're a soccer player and like spelling all of that out. Like Mm -hmm. it can get so detailed in there about what can be covered with child support. And the thing that can suck is if you get divorced and you're paying child support over here, but then you fall in love with somebody else and then now you're paying child support and you're paying for your new child with your new wife and Mm -hmm. You can, and your new wife is not understanding at all of the fact that you have to pay child support to this other person. Exactly. Um, and it, it can be a huge mess. And yeah. same with alimony. It's like you're you're paying all this money and mm-hmm. it's like they're in your past, but it's, they're still going to always. That's, I guess, the biggest thing is you can divorce somebody, but there are a lot of things that keep that string still there that they're not ever really gone. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. That seems to be the new favorite thing that that, that the uh, Hollywood tabloids talk about is stars that have split up, gotten divorced, and they're co-parenting now. This Hollywood couple is, is so good at co-parenting. They get along so well for the children. <laughs> Katie, this is fascinating to me discussing just the sheer financial implication of divorce. Mm. You want to get out, you want a clean slate, but there are implications. And we're not here to name name or shame people, but I'm curious, do we have people come in and and tell you, I'm I'm secretly considering divorce, but I first want to see if I can afford it before I pull the trigger (laughs) and tell my spouse? I mean, is or do people just come in, I am divorcing, tell tell me the news. I am currently dealing with that right now. A secret. Yeah, because it's somebody came in, we had a great meeting. We talked about stuff and started working on building a financial plan. Then they call me and say, well, you might want to build in the plan that I'm strongly consider. We're having marital issues. I'm strongly considering divorce. Can you tell me what that would look like for my plan? And I'm talking about this went from a really great plan. I was being able to tell this person they could retire at the end of this year and then not ever have to work again because they were financially set up to now I'm like, uh, you've run out of money at 78. Like it's, it really is crazy how much it changes. And that's a little bit where our job becomes a little bit borderline 
therapy-ish because we're kind of like, I mean, can y'all work it out? Can you, can you just like, you know, live on separate wings of the house? Can you like... So you're telling me the Monte Carlo took a nosedive? Uh, yeah, it's, um, let's entertain our, our listeners. Can you tell what a Monte Carlo is in your financial plan? Yeah. So a Monte Carlo, um, you think of kind of like a casino and it is just a huge laboratory of running all different scenarios and statistics. And of course, when you go to casino, you're trying to beat the system. Monte Carlo is going to run a thousand different scenarios and it's going to go through the worst case scenario, best case scenario, medium cases. And so our goal for clients is, you know, kind of be around that 75 to 80%, because that means you've got a healthy balance. You've got enough reserve you're taken care of if life happens, but you're not saving so much that you're not enjoying life. So yeah, it's, um, I I've seen some 0% Monte Carlos Mm. and it's really heartbreaking to have to tell somebody. And especially from a, you know, I'm a financial advisor. I am not an emotional therapist or psychiatrist. None of that. I'm not a divorce therapist, but to almost have to go to them and be like, I know you really don't like the other person. And I know like you've obviously there's a reason you've come to the point that you want to divorce them, but it's really not a good idea. Like that's, that's hard to do. And 0% Monte Carlo, meaning they have no chance to uh, no hit chance at all. any of their financial no. goals yeah. set. No, no shot chance. at all. Zero out of zero, like zero out of a thousand. They, yeah. They're and I've, I've had clients before that came to me and said, I've been trying to do this sort of co-living thing where we live in the same house and I, you know, I pay for bills. We have a daughter, whatever, but it's just not working out. I have to get out of this situation. It's bad for me. And um, they'll even say, like, I don't care what the child support is. Because I'm like, dude, you just wait a few more years. Your child will be 18. Then it won't, then, you know, you at least won't have to pay child support. No, I'll pay the child support. I just yeah, need just out. Just get me out. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is too, like, if you really, I'm not telling you if you are so unhappy to like not get divorced, but just know that you may have to adjust your plans. Your goal of wanting to retire at mm-hmm. a certain age may have to be pushed back. Your dream of being able to travel and spend this much in a year may have to change. So if you need to get out of this situation, you just know that you're probably going to have to have to make, have to make some sacrifices and your income stream. Like that's another one on this list, your income stream that's coming in, that's going to be cut in half more than likely. You're not going to be able to live this lavish life and it's going to stick with you. It yeah. is going, you can't just like erase that situation that happened and then start fresh. There are some exclusions. There are some times that, that does happen where it's very like, Hey, we're going our separate ways. I don't need anything from you. You don't need anything from me. Okay. So back to my favorite example is, is movie stars. They end up divorcing and basically they've got tons and tons of money. And so they don't end up devastated, but for a, for a couple that's got a nest egg, that's $500,000. And you're like, you're looking down the road at what $500,000 could become from now until whatever your retirement date is, because it's going to keep growing or so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden you went from having $500,000 to having $250,000. It's not quite as much and it's not going to grow as much and it's not going to be there for you as early as the 500 was. So that can be a really negative impact. Your retirement accounts. I mean, that's yeah. kind of, that's heartbreaking. I know we've had to tell some clients that is it's a calculation of like what years you were married because you were working, you were contributing those retirement accounts. So they're entitled to a portion of your retirement account, which is crazy because then again, you're stretching it out. You divorce somebody when you're 30, 
you don't retire from this job until 65. Mm-hmm. Well, when 65 comes up and you're having to get out of this retirement account because you're retired, you got to send half, you know, not at that point, it wouldn't be half, but you got to send a chunk of it to that old spouse mm-hmm. and give them funds. Well, a 30-year-old getting divorced is probably not going to have the negative impact on, on their uh, no, retirement account not. that, say, a 55- or 60-year-old yeah. getting divorced would. You're at a completely different stage in your life. And a 30-year-old is still very much in the building phase. Yeah. You know, they're they're building up all of, those, all of those assets for retirement and for everything else. So they'll still have time. But if you're... <laughs> If you're like close to retirement and you're going to pull the trigger on a divorce, just understand that, yeah, half your retirement, all that money that you've been working to save all your life, half of it's going away. And I mean, spousal benefits for divorce, um, Social Security. Mm -hmm. That's something that as long as you're married 10 years, Mm -hmm. then you're entitled to spousal uh, benefits of their Social Security but you don't pay that. I mean, no, like, no, you don't pay that. But I'm just saying, I'm saying from a divorcee side of it, mm-hmm. you would get that. But if you decide to get married again, it goes away. It goes away. Depending. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> again, we, there's a lot of it. There depends. are so many rules. <laughs> but one of the things that's not on this list that I want to kind of just touch on is back to when I said like prenups and arrangements, because you've seen it in the tabloids, but you also it happens to average Joe's you come into a marriage and you may be getting married in your thirties and you have nothing, nothing at all together. But then by the time you I do have nothing, you have nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> by the time you decide like, Hey, I can't do this anymore. You're in your fifties. Maybe you both have inherited businesses or properties or things from different, you know, family members or people you've built up all these businesses that's when it starts getting really ugly. And that's why, like, I always was stressing with prenups, like you may not have have anything to your name right now, but think about what your potential could be and how you can save yourself not having like everything you've worked for just handed over to somebody. Well, let's also, let's talk about the fact that you're basically talking about splitting up a household. So there are items that you use in your everyday life that you probably only need one of. If you're married, you know, multiple people in the same household can use the same dishwasher, the same vacuum cleaner, vacuum cleaner. Yeah. yeah, uh, The same bottle of soap. You know, if you split up your household though, then part of what you're going to have to do is you're going to basically have to establish a a new household for yourself and you're going to need a new washer dryer. You're going to need a new TV maybe, or a new computer. What if you both use the same computer? You might need a new computer. You might need all the little things that you have in your fridge that you don't really think about that are just there. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to go out and buy all new condiments because <laughs> the other spouse got to you keep all the ketchup. You mean I can't go to my ex's house and be like, I need some ketchup? Yeah. I mean, Dang. you know. Divorce even takes the ketchup. Good grief. Gosh. It's crazy. It's crazy. Not the ketchup. But I do want I want to circle back around also and talk about legal fees because I really think that that can be one of the toughest things. You are basically taking somebody like me and it's not like we're out there like sharks looking for people to take advantage of. We're providing a service for you and it's a service that that some people are specially suited for. But they are going to charge you for their time. There's a very well-known divorce attorney here in uh here in Memphis. It's not me. <laughs> and uh the last time I talked to him, he was charging $500 an hour. Whew. And I know that for an uncontested divorce that I worked on and did pretty much all of the things on, 
it still ended up costing the client a few thousand dollars based on my rate that is considerably less than this other divorce attorney. But if you can, if you can just think about for a second, go into a divorce attorney that's charging $500 an hour, and then that's broken up into six minute sections. You, you call him and talk to him on the phone for, for a minute and he's charging you for six minutes. And that stuff adds up. You could end up with a divorce bill that's over 10 grand, over 20 grand. I mean, I don't know how astronomical they can get, but they can be high. Attorneys have to be paid too. Yeah. Yeah. You want a good attorney, especially if it's going to be an ugly divorce, because you want somebody that's going to fight for you to get the best you can. A couple other random things kind of in the realm of divorce bank accounts. So if you've got a joint, like, Cam, you talked about a joint bank account. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm not going to try and put this voodoo on you because I know you and Abby are like the picture of perfection. Mm, Couples goals. Wow. Let me knock on some wood. But if you felt like Abby was like out there kind of fishing around talking to an attorney thinking about divorcing you, then you could actually like you could go and take all that money out of that joint account. It's your money. I sure could. And then by the it's because she hadn't found anything yet, you could just be like, oh, no, I, I just need to take this. And drain that bank account. Yep. There's just a lot of trust in our system. Yeah. That is a good thing because it does make it very open. It's just and transparent. I, yeah. I, I love that idea. And I try and push people to do that. I'll take it a step further and tell people, you can have your own individual bank accounts where that's kind of your fun money. You spend what you want to sure, spend, no yeah. judgment. But all the bills need to be paid out of one, all of that, just so there is that transparency. The couple other things was, if you do decide to get divorced change your beneficiaries mm-hmm. there are or not if you you know if you don't mind your ex getting <laughs> you know inheriting from you then there's been so many times that has happened and it's you know. like yeah well that's going to their ex-spouse and who you haven't talked to in 20 years yeah change your estate planning documents like pretty much court as you said you're creating a whole new household you're getting new ketchup you're doing all that yeah. you also need you just need to redo everything the ketchup man the ketchup i mean but you got to you got to get those estate planning documents you got to check had your a, beneficiaries i recently had a client who passed away who had just done his will with us bef- but like j- just a few months before he passed away he had done his will with us and when he updated his will he put his ex-wife in as the beneficiary because he didn't have anybody else yeah so you know she's inheriting everything from him because she was the only one that he had that he could leave stuff to. So you have options. Yeah. <laughs> but I, definitely, definitely maybe review those documents. The craziest is some of those people that will get divorced and then separate for a while and then get back married again. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm. Like, are you just, do you enjoy spending money? Like, just go on a break. Somebody go on vacation for like a couple months or separation. Like, I feel like that should be like a step. Like, have you tried separation yet? Are Mm. you sure you want to do this? Yeah. And there is a legal way that you can become legally separated. It's one of the paths to divorce, but not everybody does it. I mean, a lot of people just file for divorce, irreconcilable differences, wait their waiting period. And if there are no children, I think it's like two months and then you can get a divorce. That would be a serious ego boost if I was so charming that my wife divorced (laughs) me and then couldn't get enough of me. She's like, let's try it again. Mm. I mean, it it happens, but court, yeah, like you just said even a simple divorce, but it still takes two months. Minimum. Minimum. And but, honestly, yeah. the, that simple divorce that I was describing at the at the beginning of the show, um, that one took, uh, we filed in September, and I didn't get a final order until February. And that was a simple divorce. Yeah. And it took several months to get everything done. So the minimum wait period that you have is, I think, 60 days, two months, basically. But 
that does not mean that after 60 days, boom, you're done. Yeah. If you're dealing with a spouse that's going to argue with you at all on division of assets, then it's going to take a while. Yeah. I think this is a whole nother episode, unless you can answer this quickly, but there are ways that you can make sure assets that usually would have been separate and not up for grabs in a divorce. You know what I'm trying to say? Like there's situations where something that would have been not a part of the divorce, you never would have had to share, but then people will take an act and then they make it communal property. Or is uh, that a whole nother episode? Yeah, that's, I mean, like we, if we really wanted to get into the nitty gritty of dividing assets and so forth, I think we'd probably have another hour's worth of, <laughs> of material. That's typically like with inheritance and stuff like that, like how you address yeah. those. Yeah, basically, you know, if you inherit a bunch of money and you're afraid that your spouse might divorce you at some point, you don't want them to get the money that you inherited, then you need to make sure that you don't mingle those funds. Your inheritance needs to go in a separate account that remains your account and it's kept separately from all of your other marital assets, blah, blah, blah. Because Cam's um, going to come and drain that account. State of Tennessee. <laughs> most the of ketchup. The, most of the states around us are not community property states, which means that in a community property state, basically everything is owned half by one spouse and half by the other. Uh, in the state of Tennessee, it's even though we don't have community property, they still have the same sort of methods for treating property between mm -hmm. spouses. It's, it's half owned. If you own it jointly, then each of you owns half of it. If you bought it jointly, then each of you owns half of it. But the stuff that you've got on your own, not as a product of the marriage or whatever, that stuff you can keep separate as long as you maintained it as separate property from, from the get-go. Clearly, there is a lot that we can talk about with yeah. divorce. It is a very big thing. And I'll go ahead and bullseye kind of, I guess, if y'all are good with bullseye. Well, I mean, do it. Yeah. What I take away from this, and I hope y'all take away from this, is divorce, as I hope you thought before, should not be taken lightly. It can be extremely expensive. It can be drawn out. It can be one that lingers with you for a very, very long time, depending on if you have to do child support or alimony or things like that. So if you decide to get married, if you are in a relationship, really try and make sure you are having those financial conversations. You are trying to work things out. And if there are financial issues that come up, try and work on it and bring it together. We have had people that come to us for financial help in a marriage. And so in that regards, if we can avoid you guys getting a divorce, but just think about all the different elements. Next time you get frustrated with your spouse, like make sure before you pull the trigger of divorce, like, is this really the road I want to go down? Obviously, yes. If you do need to get out of your situation, do it. But just know that you probably then need to come and talk to an attorney for sure, but also a financial advisor to help you realign and start your new household and figure out what does life look like now that everything's been split in half. Bullseye. I've got a message for our younger listeners who have not married yet. I would say date and date well. <laughs> Do your research and just uh, see what your significant other's spending habits are the trust level they have. And I know people change over time and they could be all great up front and then something happens, but I would just say date well, don't just jump into a marriage willy nilly. Also, if uh, your marriage is on the rocks, hide the coveted Chick-fil-A sauce in your fridge because that may be taken from you. <laughs> bullseye. <laughs> okay. My bullseye is, we've already said it all. You're going to lose your ketchup and half your stuff. So... <laughs> Be prepared. I seriously, I have, again, I'll, I'll refer to one of my own clients. I have a client who felt like they needed to get out of the house mm -hmm. immediately. They felt their safety was 
was being threatened. And so they felt like they really needed to exit the house as, as soon as they possibly could. But it was a struggle there for a while because yeah. they were relying on, on their spouse's uh, retirement assets to live off of. And when they moved out of the house, they didn't have those anymore. They didn't have access to those anymore. And so it was a, it was a struggle for a few months to, for them to be able to pay their living expenses and pay their rent and so mm -hmm. forth because they had to find a new place to live. So if you can stay in the house, don't move out of the house. <laughs> Go ahead and, and talk to an attorney. They'll tell you all of the things that you're supposed to do before you get a divorce, but just go ahead and, and stay in the house until the divorce is finalized. And then once the divorce is finalized, then you can move out. You, you'll have your alimony, you'll have your child support and so forth. Again, if it's a dangerous situation, go ahead and get out. But it can cause additional financial struggles. If you're moving, basically going to file the petition and move out that day, then you better already have a place set up for you to move. You better know how much it's going to cost and you better know how you're going to pay for it because you could be relying on money that won't be there anymore. So be careful. Yep. Bullseye. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast podcast. If you like what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beam directly to your listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about me, Katie, or Cameron, please feel free to go to our website. You can read about us there. You can drop us a message. You can suggest a topic if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, and we will be happy to oblige. If you like pictures, we've got Instagram. That handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And we also have a Twitter handle that is at Bullcast Podcast as well. We have a Facebook page that is Bullcast the Podcast. And finally, we might have mentioned a few times today that we are financial planners and lawyers and all other sorts of great stuff. And we do that at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you would like to find out more about what we do, more about how we can help you, more about our amazing team and our boss, David Pickler, then please feel free to go to that website. That is PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's advisors with a no. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, I've given you everything you need to go forward and be happy. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. And we're done. Done.